You are listening to Skilled Nutrition Podcast. From skill to habit to lifestyle. Welcome to Skilled Nutrition Podcast with yours truly, Coach Natalia. I want to thank you all for taking time out of your busy schedules and spending it with me today. Also, thanks to the two people who gave this podcast a five-star rating. I know Skilled Nutrition Podcast is still young, but I have a lot of good topics ahead and I'm always open to your ideas. If you're on Instagram, DM me at coach underscore Natalia. Ideas, questions, feedback, it's all good. Now for today's topic of how to stay on track with your diet. All right, let's say you have your dieting calories and macros all figured out. You know what you'll be eating and how much of it daily. You've managed to come up with macro-friendly meals that are varied and not boring. You're tracking the food intake and staying close to your daily targets. You are also weight training at least three times a week and you are monitoring your progress regularly. Is it all smooth sailing from here? I wish. The outcome of your fat loss mission will depend largely on this, adherence to the plan. If you find yourself seriously deviating from your plan after a short time period on it, it's either the plan you're, uh, you're following needs to be adjusted or you need to follow your plan a little bit more diligently. Let me explain using a couple of my clients' examples. Names have been changed, of course, to protect privacy. All right, let's look at the first client. Let's call her Tatiana. This is the example of a bad plan. Now, that's a female, 49 years old, 34% body fat, skinny fat, as you might call it. Her goals are to look fit and have less jiggle on her body. What is she doing currently is running every day. As far as uh, details about eating habits and food intake, she decided not to disclose that. And that's okay. Now, my proposed plan to her was A, increase protein intake, and B, replace the three running days with strength training. Her response was, I would like to follow my plan for now which was, I'd rather keep my running, but two, I'll come to metabolic conditioning classes, and three, my eating is fine as it is. The result was A, more muscle loss, B, more jiggle and flab, and C, now I'll do what you told me to do. So now she follows the new plan with more protein and strength training and a little bit less running, and notices immediately the result. Over this year, over the course of this year, she went from 34% body fat to 26% body fat. She had great motivation, I give her that, but her plan was bad. Now, for the second client, client B, let's call him Bill, uh, it's a male, 51 years old, 25% body fat. 
also as you would call skinny fat, right? His goal was to get down to 15% body fat while building strength and increasing energy levels. Currently he was doing Metcon classes most mornings uh, with one strength session with me. And I noticed he had a hard time pushing and recovering during the sessions. As far as diet, he said, I eat mostly healthy and not too much, but I snack a lot. My approach was A, as far as diet, he was not very open to suggestions. So we started with small, healthier alternatives for snacking suggestions. And B, we talked about pre-workout nutrition. Immediately, he saw positive results. He, the first thing he noticed was increased energy at the gym and some body composition improvements. Then his progress stalled. My encouragement to him was to track all food, uh, which was met with passive resistance. Now, I believe in my client's autonomy. I just laid out my plan for him to consider and told him about possible outcomes of following it versus continuing to do what he was doing while continually probing him about his deepest why during our every session he eventually stated to me his deepest why and he finally decided to track his food and drink so during that time he had a lot of aha moments then together we found the biggest culprit in his diet and substituted that food with less calorically dense options and more nutrient dense so these small strategic changes were adopted by him as lifestyle over time right now tracking is not a chore for him it's a helpful tool to keep him aware now the results are coming fast and he's loving the process so he's very much motivated he has fun discovering new foods and ways to cook it so he's actually getting pretty strong in the gym his chin-ups went up well of course the less you weigh the better chin-ups all right but also deadlift squat bench you know kettlebell work as well as cardio capacity so in conclusion results started snowballing once he started following the plan so he reached all his goals and now he kept all those habits that he has established in the process so as you see those are the two reasons on the macro level that can render your fat loss goals ineffective following a bad plan and not following a good plan now let's just assume you have a good plan what can go wrong on the micro level here? If I had to sum it up in one word, that's adherence, which can be affected by, oh, so many things on a physiological as well as psychological levels, one of them influencing another and vice versa. So let's look at some examples. And this is by no means an exhaustive list. Let me know what struggles you yourselves face. And I'll try to address them on the podcast. Possible struggle or hurdle, as I like to call it, number one, all or nothing mentality. So according to your perfect plan, you got your daily calories and macros all set up in the tracking app of choice. Groceries are stocked, 
you know, parts of the meals are pre-cooked. You train three days uh, a week with some light cardio on off days. Week one is a breeze. You weigh in and the weight is down. You feel lighter. You feel great. Weeks two and three are the same. You're down four pounds and it feels like you are on a roll. Then you get invited to someone's birthday party, a company picnic or some other event with foods that are definitely not macro friendly. And since you've been in caloric deficits for, for three weeks now, your hunger is up and you know you can't stop in just one cookie or one glass of wine like so many times before. So you give in with reckless abandon, which doesn't stop once you get home. Why stop? I already messed up. So you head straight to the freezer and before you know it, your spoon is scraping the bottom of the pint-sized ice cream container. With this behavior, of course, come feelings of shame and guilt. What do you do the next day? A. Get back on your plan like nothing happened or B. Tell yourself, I'll never succeed at this fat loss. I just don't have enough willpower. If you said A, congratulations. You have shown resilience. This type of mindset will eventually yield the results you're looking for. If you chose B as your answer, let me tell you, we've all been there. But resilience can be cultivated. So don't lose heart. And remember, no one got shredded from skipping a night of endless pizza and beer. So the opposite is true. You're not going to add tons of fat by having a night of endless pizza and beer. If this unplanned eating episode occurs, remember, you're only one meal away from getting back on your plan. Now that leads me to hurdle number two, lack of planning for possible hurdles. If you're able to ident identify your possible hurdles, that's half the battle. All you need is try to anticipate them and prepare strategies to counter them. If you feel you walk into situations and they take you by surprise, time to start practicing self-awareness. I like to reverse engineer that with my clients with some questions. So the unplanned eating episode happened. Where were you? What time of the day was it? Who were you with? What happened right before it happened? Did some, someone say something to you, give you a look or do something? Once you start answering these questions for yourself, a pattern usually emerges. Then it'll be easier to fight the enemy you know. Here's a for instance. A client of mine used to find herself in the pantry snacking mindlessly on chips and other crunchy, salty sources of carbs. She was finally able to jump over that hurdle once she answered certain questions for herself. It turned out she was brought up believing that carbs made you fat. That led to complete carb avoidance, while her body's natural preference was a moderate consumption of this macronutrient. Plus, she trained with me during the week and I kept noticing her low energy. I'm glad she felt safe enough to share with me that information because I had a chance to educate her on the role of carbohydrates 
and how our bodies store fat. The truth will set you free, right? It certainly started her on the path of freedom. We slowly started incorporating carbs back into her diet and the changes followed. Her energy levels went up, her body was not craving carbs like it used to, it was happy. She was happy. And she was able to achieve balance in her nutrition. And all that by stopping, noticing what was going on, and asking questions. Now for hurdle number three. Increasing exercise and decreasing food intake. This is so human to be impatient. When we see that our plan is working, you know, we want to speed things up. And what's the logical thing to do? Add more exercise on top of what we're already doing and create a bigger calorie deficit. That usually backfires. Our body often fights back by making us ravenous, overtrained, and tired. Binges start happening. And in the gym, we often get injured. And then, just like that, we are off the plan. When in deficit, it's wise to remember this old saying, don't fix it if it ain't broke. If you are consistently losing fat and in inches, keep milking that cow. Don't change anything. Once what you're doing is not working anymore, then, and only then, it's time to play with the plan. One variable at a time, preferably. Now, hurdle number four, sleep. Sleep is often overlooked as an important part of fat loss. Scientists and health professionals continually identify sleep as the limiting factor for so many people's weight loss attempts. In one study, young adult males were basically forced uh, to be sleep deprived for 11 days. One group slept four hours a night, the other group got six. The researchers tried to gain insight on hunger levels related to circadian cycles to understand more about shift workers. Now, the group allowed four hours per night. Uh, they reported higher hunger levels, less satiety, more food consumption, and less satisfaction from meals than the six-hour-a-night people. Both groups certainly had negative changes, but in this study, it appeared dose-dependent. The less sleep, the worse it was in terms of eating. Two of the biggest factors for weight loss are portion control and having set meal times. This becomes increasingly difficult when we need to eat more to be full and we're less satisfied with meals. This leads to more snacking, and since we're tired, the decision to snack becomes easier. All right, all right, all right, I get it that sleep is important, but I just can't go to sleep early. It's a habit. Well, it's time to start creating a new one. Here's how to hit the pillow harder. Oh, well, if you have a newborn, this might not work for you, or it might be hard. But for the rest of us, we can A, create a new bedtime routine, however it might look for you. I personally had to move my dinner to an earlier time, uh, say no to watching later TV, time blocking my work during the earlier hours of the morning, and looked for general time leaks in my schedule. That allowed me to find a whole hour for going to bed earlier. Now B, Eat what you know before bed. 
Food that won't give you any GI surprises, in other words. C. Use a sleep tracker. Any kind. I have an Apple Watch and it works really well. Um, and soon you'll, you'll see a correlation between sleep and your daily patterns of hunger and performance at the gym. D. Some people find a binaurals app helpful in calming your brain um, and letting you fall asleep and stay asleep better. And E. Consult your doctor about magnesium and melatonin supplements that usually aid with sleep. And now for the last hurdle, hurdle number five, and that's lack of accountability. Now, I understand that weight loss can be a very private matter. Some of you don't want to announce to the whole world that you're not comfortable with the way you look and feel and want to change it. I'm with you. I was in that camp. When I was 200 pounds back in 2000, I didn't feel comfortable talking about it even with my own husband. My weight loss took five years mainly because I used trial and error method. I had nobody by my side. It would have been a lot quicker if I had someone knowledgeable and caring who was taking care of that side of the matter. Now, this is the biggest reason I became a coach so I could help people achieve their health and body composition goals without them wasting time. So find yourself a coach if you're able. If that's not an option, make yourself accountable to an online community run by reputable professionals. Or subscribe to YouTube channels uh, of folks like Lane Norton, Danny Lennon, Dr. Spencer, Spencer Nadolsky, Sohi Lee. I could go on and on. If you want more suggestions, just drop me a line. Bottom line is, we need outside look at what we're doing. Sometimes we don't see things clearly. That and measuring your progress will go a long way. Hopefully what I talked about today resonated with you, my listener. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on today's topic and welcome any feedback you might have. Did you know you can leave me a voicemail within the Anchor podcasting app? If you'd rather type, email me at coachnatalia at icloud.com or DM me via Instagram at coach underscore Natalia. And lastly, if you find my content helpful in any way, spread the love by giving it a five-star rating in iTunes. This will make it more visible to others. Thank you guys for spending this time with me. Till next time.